Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to Not Basic Blonde podcast and this episode is called Buy Yourself Effing Lilies. This is a major wake-up call episode that everyone should listen to and my guest is Tara Schuster who is the writer and author of the book Buy Yourself Effing Lilies as seen in InStyle Magazine, Goop, People, Newsweek, Forbes and she's the vice president of Comedy Central. So tune in, guys. That's a very exciting episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Would you please tell our listeners about yourself? Sure. Um, you mean like my career or the book or, or which, which part of myself? The first about yourself. Where are you from? What is your background? Your career? Yeah. yeah. Um, So I'm from Los Angeles, California, where I currently live, and um, I kind of have a a double career right now, which is one is I'm vice president of talent and development at Comedy Central, where I've been for almost 11 years, which feels like so long, (laughs) but uh, has been amazing. And basically what I do there is I find and develop new voices, ideas for TV shows, um, and put those on air. And then my second career is I'm an author, and my first book, uh, Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies, just came out. And it's basically a memoir of how I reparented myself after a neglected childhood. So I've kind of got two full-time jobs at the moment. That's amazing. How did you get involved with Comedy Central? Yeah, I always wanted to be involved in entertainment. I started out doing theater in New York. Um, I I actually went to college for playwriting. And then I moved to New York um, to really pursue theater with a capital T and really make art. And um, very quickly into that journey, I realized I actually was more of a fan of television and that I had grown up watching TV and that that was what I wanted to contribute to. And so I um, got an internship at The Daily Show with Jon Stewart at the time. And that was sort of my entryway into television. And I, I just made it my mission to be the best of the worst of jobs at The Daily Show. Like any unglamorous, horrible thing, I was the one to do it. Um, with like enthusiasm, you know, for example, I cleaned the coffee machine, um, like it was the single most important task possible because I figured I could start small. I could make a contribution to the daily show and maybe somebody cool would notice. 
and somebody cool did notice um, the uh, um, executive producers of The Daily Show, and they got me my first entry-level job at Comedy Central. So I always kind of tell people who are asking for career advice to, you know, don't worry about how far you have to go. Don't worry about, like, the big job at the end. Start where you are. Be the best at the worst. Find the little opportunities that you can maximize. And and so, yeah, that decision to clean the coffee machine um, was a part of my path to, to climbing the ladder at Comedy Central. Wow, what a story. That's amazing. Hard work paid off for you. That's nice. Yeah, that's, um, it's funny in entertainment. I think people, they often think about all the things they can't do. Like I can't be the star of a TV show. I can't write a TV show. I can't, I can't, I can't. Instead of focusing on what you can do, which is you can start writing, you can take acting classes, you can start building a network. And so it's all, for me, it's always about flipping it. So instead of all the things I can't do, what can I do? And moving in that direction. Yeah, that's a great advice. Hmm. That's nice. And also, everybody is talking about your book. It's so popular. Would you please tell us more about it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been, the book has definitely been a cool, um, very exciting crazy journey but basically I so I never set out to write a book that was never on my mind I wanted to save my life I had grown up in a really neglectful household um, where nothing was really taken care of not the pets not the plants certainly not me and my little sister and so I didn't really grow up with any role models of how does someone take care of themselves And by the time I was 25, I was just a mess wreck disaster of a person. I was self-medicating with weed to kind of like numb out of my life, like weed and wine were my go-tos. But I felt like I was living in a chronic headache, just chronic anxiety that I would feel as like um, a knot in my heart. And I, I, I would have kept going this way, except that I hit rock bottom on my 25th birthday when I drunk dialed my therapist threatening to hurt myself. And the next morning, realizing the shame of, oh my God, I drunk dialed my therapist. And hearing my therapist's voicemails as she tried to find me, I realized, okay, this is not a sustainable life. This is a life that's gonna kill me. I, I can't keep going this way. But I, I didn't know how to move forward. I, I, I didn't even know how to change a vacuum cleaner filter. You know, like I wasn't some like self-care expert. I was just a chronically anxious, depressed mess. So I decided to stop worrying about how I should feel. Because for years I had thought that I should feel better. You know, I didn't have the worst childhood in the world. And, you know, I had a cool job at Comedy Central at the time, and I had gone to good colleges, and, you know, I had, I, I, I should look good. On paper, I had it pretty good. But I decided it didn't matter because I actually was miserable. It, it didn't matter what checkboxes I checked off. I didn't like myself, and I, I wanted, I wanted to. And so, since I'd always been a good student, I decided, What if I made myself into a curriculum? 
Like, what if I made a Google Doc where I had all the questions of what it means to be parented and, and, and how, does, how, how can you nurture yourself? And over the course of five years, I would write things down, like, what are values? What are principles? What are vegetables? Like, just genuinely, what are vegetables and which one should I be eating? And I attacked those things like a ninja of self-love, like I was an assassin for good habits. And five years later, I had this 600-page Google Doc, and I felt like a completely different person, like a healthy, vibrant, gleeful person. And I kind of couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe the progress I had made. And that's when I realized I had a story to tell. And so the book comes from kind of my findings. They're really practical, not throw up in your mouth, it's so cheesy ways that we can learn to take care of ourselves. And, you know, I hope that the stories are funny. So no matter what, I hope it's like a funny, funny, touching read. But more than that, I hope that it leaves readers with things they can do in their own life that aren't, I'm never saying like, you need to leave your husband and quit your job and change everything about yourself. I'm basically talking about small habits that that teach us how better to take care of ourselves. So yeah, that's how the book came to be. And, and that's sort of what the book is now. And, and I think it's the perfect time for it, you know, when we're all, tra- you know, trapped at home and there's a lot of anxiety and stress. I hope it's really helpful to people. Yeah, it's definitely perfect time to read it because there are so many things that are happening right now and it's perfect time to pause and actually work on yourself and self-development. So yeah, that's definitely perfect timing. Yeah, I I, I think so. I, I, in some ways, I feel uh, lucky that it came out now because the reaction I get to the book a lot is people tell me this book is a friend. It feels like a friend. It feels like talking to somebody who gets me. And as we're all isolated, if I can be a friend who has some, a little bit of good advice and some funny stories, then that's awesome. And and that's what I hope for. Yeah. And when, you know, based on your experience, if somebody has struggle with self-love, How do you become a ninja of self-love? Where do you start? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely a process. But I I think the way to begin is to begin and is not to worry about, you know, I'm in a place where I can, without laughing, without um, thinking I'm cheesy, I can say I love myself, that I'm most of the time happy and think that I am enough. But... If you had told me that when I was drunk dialing my therapist that that was possible, I would have thrown up. I would have just been like, ew, gross. This is not possible. I feel bad. And so I think the key is to start with really small things. If you want to become a ninja of self-love, find one thing in your life that you would like to love a little more about yourself. So whether it's a body image issue or... Um, some kind of self-judgment about, you know, some, I'm a failure, I don't have the right job, I'm never going to have the right job, I can't have romantic love. Like, find one story that you're telling yourself that is mean to yourself, and I would start to journal about it. I, I, I think journaling is one of the most incredible tools 
that we have in our toolbox of self-care. And I would just, I would write out the tired story you're telling yourself. I am unlovable. Write out, you know, for example, write out every single thing in your mind that you think. And then I'd write out a new story. I am lovable. I am lovable for these reasons. Here's how I'm going to show myself more love. And I would maybe do this like every day for a week. It's, there are so many different methods to, to how we build self-awareness and how we build self-love. But I always find that starting really small with one little thing that you want to change about yourself, it gets you in motion. And there's a magic in motion. It's weird, but the more you practice self-love, the more you love yourself. It kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. That's definitely a great approach. And so many people say that when you love yourself more than others love you, because when you don't love yourself, you can give out love to others, kind of. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's funny because sometimes people think of self-care and self-love as selfish. And it's, and it's, I always want to just like raise my fist and start shaking it. Because it's the least selfish thing you could do. Because, you know, we all know in the airplane safety video when the mom puts her oxygen mask on before her child's, it's because you can't save anyone. You can't help anyone. You can't love anyone unless you feel good about yourself, unless you have a certain amount of love and regard for yourself. So the place to start, people want to start by fixing other people and I want to make their life better and what I'm saying is that's awesome you know I love the you want to help everybody else but first help yourself make sure you're in a good place and that your oxygen mask is on so that you don't pass out while you're helping your daughter or your friend or your mom um it's just so funny how the to women the idea of helping themselves is there's got to be something wrong with it, like it's selfish or something. But when in fact, it's the best way that you can pretty immediately make the lives of those around you better. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, based on your experience, how to pull yourself out of negativity or the same cycle that brings no results? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a process. And I think there are lots of different ways of getting at it. But again, I go back to journaling because I think the first step before you can tackle how do I change this pattern, you have to figure out what the pattern is. And so by having a journaling practice, you build a self-awareness muscle in yourself. And that's the key is how are you, what are you actually thinking? What is actually real? And putting it down on a page instead of swirling in your minds. Because I find that in my mind, I can go into a doom spiral. But if I put it on a piece of paper, it's much more tangible. So my whole approach is taking these wild thoughts in our head and these old stories that we tell ourselves and getting them down on paper so that we can actually deal with them. And then I think there are lots of tools, and I, I go through a lot of them in the book about how we can change those patterns. But I think the first step is you've got to find the patterns and you've got to figure out really what story am I telling myself? Yeah, that's definitely a great way to do it. That's amazing. 
And how do you stop self-doubt? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that there's any way to fully stop self-doubt. But one way that I deal with my self-doubt is positive affirmations, which sound so cheesy, but they really do work because what, you know, we spend so much of our lives, we we have a negative bias in us. We only believe the negative stuff. And and anyone listening can relate to this. Like, can you remember all the compliments that people give you or or do you hang on to when someone criticizes you? You know, we're predisposed we we are we are wired to hang on to negative things other people say about us, negative things we say about ourselves. So, we've got to kind of change the chatter. And one way to do that is with positive affirmations. So one that in the beginning of my self-care journey that I used was, I am brilliant and talented. Did I believe that? Hell no. I absolutely didn't think I was brilliant or talented. But it was time to stop telling myself that I was, you know, a failure and never going to make it. And so I would write that down to myself. I am brilliant and talented. I am brilliant and talented. I am brilliant and talented. Um, Every day at the end of my journaling, five times a day. And over the course of months, you start to pick up like, oh, I'm not just a worthless um, failure. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a little brilliance in me. Maybe there's a little bit of shine. Maybe there's a little talent. So I, I think it's all about, you know, the first step is changing the chatter in our head. And I think a really effective tool um, are positive affirmations and really committing to them, saying them almost like you'd say a prayer. Yeah, you know, positive affirmations works for me, too. And I have a whole list. So usually it tells, um, I mean, usually it is like when you do something for 21 days, then it becomes the habit. So when you read them for 21 days, your mind actually gets tricked and it actually starts working into that it's actually starting to believe in all this. So it definitely helped me too because, you know, sometimes our childhood, our parents like yell at us or just being unfair sometimes and, you know, you have to have a need for approval and then it kind of like, messes up your self-esteem and kind of doesn't help you when you grow up so because of affirmations they really work and it really helps you it definitely boosts your self-esteem and makes you feel better and it changes your perspective I I love that I didn't know that about 21 days that's awesome that's such a great thing to know but yeah it it's magical. Like it's so crazy, but by doing something so small, you really can change your perspective. But I love that you do that. And I, wow, thank you for telling me about the 21 days. That's something I have to investigate. Yeah. You also, there are positive affirmations about money or health or beauty or self-esteem. So you can do it all like in all different aspects of life. So (laughs) awesome. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, when someone has, like, emotional wounds, how do you heal them? You know, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a good question. It's, a, it's definitely, I'd say, again, like, a process. But the first thing that I would recommend is allowing them to exist. Because I think what a lot of us do is we numb them out. We say, 
well, maybe we don't say it consciously, but we feel something painful. We feel some memory, something that feels bad. And we numb it out. We drink, we shop online obsessively, we watch reality TV shows, we do anything to distract ourselves from the hurt that we feel. And so one thing I've been doing recently is sitting with a little bit of my pain in in a meditation, you know, 10 minutes a day, trying to sit with some of the feelings that I have. Um, You know, for for this one, it's around a breakup. And I let myself feel those feelings instead of run away from them. And that, you know, my therapist says this, and she says it's really cheesy, but I think it's really amazing. She says, in order to heal a wound, you have to feel the wound, which means there's no shortcut. You can't heal it until you actually feel it in your body. So I think the first step in healing a wound is recognizing that it's there, allowing allowing that, you know, not pushing it away, not distracting, not numbing it out. Um, and, and I think once we get more comfortable with feelings, we realize they're just a feeling. It's not a definition of who you are. It's a, a feeling of hurt over a breakup, a feeling of disappointment because your dad didn't show up for you in some way. They're all just feelings. They're actually not as important as we make them. You know, it's, it's a real experience. You're feeling your feelings, but it's not your whole story. So one practice that might be useful for people would be to sit and, and have like a, a little meditation on, on what you're currently feeling and feel it in your body. And then one question I always ask myself is, is this my whole story? Is this all there is to me? This one feeling, this one emotional wounds? And if not, what else is true of me? And it's a really good way to see like, oh, no, it's not just about this one, you know, um, disappointment or this one pain. I'm a great friend and I'm a good runner and I um, love my home and I'm, you know, impactful in my community. And you can kind of see like all the other things that are true of you aside from this hurt. And, it, and it, it always gives me more perspective. It always shows me that I'm so much more than this one emotional wound. So I think that's a beginning to healing wounds is feeling them and then asking, is this my whole story? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on this one. And like my therapist said, she said, if you have fear or a wound or something, you have to become friends with it. Like, like you said, you have to sit with it, feel it and you definitely have to kind of adjust to it and become a friend. <laughs> so you're yeah. not afraid of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, you you do. You have to befriend your feelings because they're there. Like they don't go away. You you can repress them, and you but they always come back to bite you. So instead of like suppressing, repressing, letting those feelings come up in some other horrible way later in your life. I think it's much wiser to feel them and, and, as you said, become friends with them. Yeah, definitely. And what do you think? How do you keep a healthy mind, body, and relationships? Yeah, so, you know, if I had the answer, the, the cure-all answer to that, I would be a millionaire. I would be, like, the queen of, of all self-care. Um, but I think the way we begin is by taking ourselves seriously is by recognizing that we are worth taking care of 
and that we are the ones who have to do the work. And that in fact, that we are the best suited, better than our parents, better than our partners. We are the best suited to take care of ourselves. And I think we start with the very small things. You know, the title of my book, By Yourself, The Effing Lilies, is about going to Trader Joe's and thinking that I wasn't worth $7 lilies, that they were going to die and who needs them. And I don't know, is it a good idea to, to buy these? Until one day I said, no, like I am worth $7 lilies. I'm worth the small luxury that makes the rest of my life so much more delightful. And so I think the way that we can help our minds, bodies, and relationships is by finding the small habits that we can luxuriate in our day. So for me, those are those are really simple things. Like I make my bed every morning. I buy myself flowers on Sundays. I luxuriate in the bathtub. I write thank you notes on beautiful stationery that I, you know, had custom made. It's luxuriating in the basic details of our life. Those give us so much more healing, so much more power across the board. So if you want to, a quick fix, help your mind, body, and relationships, I would start looking at your habits and see if you can introduce any that make you feel, um, that give you more delight in your day, that give you more to look forward to. Because essentially treating yourself better, it just makes you stronger. It's nobody's ever become stronger because they were mean to themselves and punished themselves and had an endless diss track in their mind about how much they sucked. Like that simply doesn't work because otherwise we'd all be like killing it, you know, like, cause, cause that's what most women kind of are dealing with is an endless stream of self-criticism. And what I'm saying is, you know, if you want to change everything, change the little things. Yeah, that's true. I started buying myself flowers every week, too, because when I hit 30, I had so many things coming up in my head and I had like a lot of self-development. I read so many self-development books and I started working on myself really hard and just to develop more self-love and self-care, I did start to buy myself flowers every week, but I need to take Thank you. I need to take your advice on thank you notes. I haven't started that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you notes are like nature's Xanax to me. You know, like I know they're for other people, but I write them for a very selfish reason, which is I feel better when I express gratitude. And, And that's the sort of thing we all need to do is figuring out like, what things do I do that makes me feel actually better? So you know, there's like the hit of buying a new pair of shoes that maybe lasts for like a day, like, oh my God, these new shoes. But what done regularly, what done consistently, what habit in your life, if you do it every day, makes you feel more delighted overall? And for me, those are much more simple, free things like writing thank you cards, taking a walk, taking a bath, like these small things they make up your life. We spend so much more of our time in these small habits than we do on the luxury vacation to Tulum. And while I love Tulum, you know, that's not really what self-care is about. Um, self-care is about 
luxuriating in the basic habits of our day and making sure that we're authentically taking care of those emotional wounds that, that need healing. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But how do you identify self-limiting beliefs and kick them to the curb? You know, I go again to journaling. For me, what I do is I write out, when I hear really negative chatter in my head, I call that my frenemy within. It's like a, you know, like a friend who you have in your life who, if you met her today, you'd never be friends with her, but you met in middle school and you've just got a lot of history. Like we all have those people in our lives who we let hang out with us even though we know they're depleting us. And so when you hear that negative chatter, what I do is I write it out. I write down all the things my frenemy within believes about me and, you know, in, in a letter form. So I write out her letter. Then I write a letter defending myself and telling her just how wrong she is and why her opinion is not valid. And then I post both letters next to a picture of Coco Chanel because Coco Chanel wouldn't suffer fools and neither will I. And it's just, it's a really good practice for getting your mind and body to defend yourself. And so many of those self-limiting beliefs, there's a big difference between what is true and what you believe. You might believe that, you know, like one I hear often is I'm not lovable. You might believe you're not lovable, but I know the truth that every single person is lovable, no matter what they've done, who they are, there's something in them to, to love and to hang on to. And so by writing out kind of these crazy self-limiting beliefs and then defending them and taking them down with time, you can get better at better at identifying your self-limiting beliefs and then, and shanking them, like really like putting a knife through their heart by defending yourself. Oh, wow. I love this idea. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But how do you start where you are without worrying too much how far you can go? It's a good question. I mean, I always just look at the next step. You know, I get tunnel vision about well, what's the very next thing I have to do? What's the very, you know, if I'm looking at like, I need, I want to write a book. What's the first step in writing a book? The first step is to sit at your computer and start coming up with ideas. And, and it's a discipline not to go down the rabbit's hole. And every time you go down the rabbit's hole, just ask yourself, wait, what step am I on? What, what do I really need to do right now? And the answer is never worry. The answer is never worry about the future. So it, it's, again, it's a way of, you, we need to build self-awareness and stay present and I, I think by focusing on the step we're on, we're be better able to build presence. Yeah, I love this one. That's nice. How do you get over a fear of feeling overwhelmed? I think we never get over our fears. I think it's, we'd like to think that we can, but we really can't because there is something intelligent in fear. You know, right now, for example, fear is telling us, let's stand six feet apart, right? And that's intelligent. That's intelligent fear. That's your pre-programmed evolutionary, let's not um, get ourselves in trouble. Let's stay safe. Let's stay alive. So I think the first thing is to, re is to recognize and honor that fear has an intelligence to it. 
And then to feel the fear, you know, there are a lot of things I'm afraid of and I allow those feelings to exist. The trick though, in letting the fear, you know, a lot of people then let the fear stop them. And instead of getting over your fear, I think it's, we need to move through our fear. So we can use that fear almost as a fuel to explore what wants to be explored. Um, so for example, if someone is afraid that they are unlovable, like just because I've been using that example, um, a really good thing to do would be to write down all the fears that you have and see what in your beliefs you just know aren't true. You know, so if it's for me, I recently broke up with someone and one of my fears is it's too late, I'm too old to meet somebody else. Well, once I write that down, that belief, it's silly. Like, too old for what? And I'm 34. I'm obviously not too old. And I've fallen in love before. I can definitely fall in love again. And I'm open and willing to do so. So I move through my fear and I take the next step. What would the next step be? The next step, instead of worrying about getting married, the next step would be to go on some apps, to ask for some setups and put myself out there again. So I, I think it's like a process of recognizing the fear that you're feeling, allowing for it, writing out all the self-limiting beliefs you have, and then again, seeing what's the bigger picture here? What's my full story? What, what here is a belief and what is true? And, and kind of moving through that. Yeah, I was using this strategy the whole time and I use it all the time. It's like you write it down and you see, is it fact or it's a thought? If it's a thought, then it's like, then it's totally wrong. And if it's yeah. a fact, then it's like, yeah, then it's true. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And what is your favorite quote? Ah, my favorite quote. My favorite quote is Nora Ephron who she was giving a college commencement address in 1996. And she said, above all else, be the heroine of your story, not the victim. And I love that. You that's know, a very powerful quote. Yeah. And I, I think that's why I relate so much to journaling, because in a journal, you never have to be the victim. You can rewrite who you are in the story and the narrative. And so many of us are running narratives we're running narratives all day in our heads. And so I think if we can remember, I don't, no matter what circumstance you've been in, even the bleakest, I don't have to be the victim. That's a powerful, powerful thing that can change your life. Yeah, that's true. Even sometimes, like my therapist said, when you're in some situation and you don't like it, if you think of yourself that you're a victim, then it changes the total perspective. Then you actually makes you feel so down and depressed. But if you think of yourself, okay, I just need to go through this for right now to get to the next step or to get to some point and I will be fine. So when you're changing your perspective in your head like that, then it changes the total situation for yourself and it makes you feel totally different absolutely yeah we don't have to play the role of victim you know there's um a book victor frankel's man's search for meaning which is about his experience in the holocaust so we're talking the bleakest situation possible and what he writes is that and i'm going to butcher this a little bit but I'll, I'll get the gist of it 
which is the last of human freedoms, the greatest of human freedoms is to choose our attitude towards any situation. We can't, you know, we can't choose the external factors. We are not in charge of a pandemic. We don't know when anyone's time is up on earth, but at all times we do choose our attitude. And that's freeing, you know, that's power is to choose your attitude towards a situation. Yeah, definitely. That's the way to go. Because if you look at situation in a different perspective, and if you look at it in a positive way, it's going to be positive for you. But if you put yourself in totally worst situation and you think about it like it's the end of the world, that's what is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it becomes the end of the world. If you are in a dooms, if you think it, it becomes true because that's the reality you're living in. And our thoughts become how we live. So the big thing to do is to make sure, you know, like the Nora Ephron, Ephron quote, that we are not the victims of our lives, but that instead we're the heroines. Yeah. And what is the best advice you ever received? The best advice I ever received was probably from my dad, who, when I would be stressed out and overwhelmed in high school, he would say, just take a baby step. Just take the next, the very next step. And I've applied that to basically every day of my life. When I'm my happiest, my most joyous, it's because I'm present and on my baby step and not worrying about the steps that came before, not worrying about the steps that are going to come ahead, and not worrying about how far I have to go, but just what's this baby step I need to take. And by taking these baby steps, we get to the top of a staircase and we didn't even know, we weren't worried about climbing to the top. We got there because we were present with each step. So, yeah, I think uh, take everything like a baby step from my dad would be the best advice I've ever gotten. Yeah, that's the amazing advice because I think it's the hardest to live in the present because you're always so busy worrying about our future or thinking about our past but we need to like hold ourselves down and just say just yeah. <laughs> live in the moment <laughs> easier and, said than done totally i know i know but with practice we get better and better yeah that's true and where can our listeners find you your social handles where they can purchase your book Yeah, so, um, and I, I would love to hear from your listeners. I love interacting um, with people and people interested in self-care in particular. So on Instagram, I'm at Tara Schuster, T-A-R-A-S-C-H-U-S-T-E-R. And then if you go to my website, taraschuster.com, and clips, um, click subscribe, I have a weekly newsletter where I give one very practical, not so cheesy, you throw up in your mouth, self-care tip or self-care thought. And it's a turning into a really cool community of people who want to be kind, who want to be gentle to both themselves and the world. And um, I hope your listeners will come say hello. And and the book, the book can be purchased um Right now, Amazon is crazy with all of their, uh, how they deliver stuff. So the best place to get it would be barnesandnoble.com or target.com has it. Um, and Amazon, if you don't mind waiting a couple weeks. Oh, that's nice. Great. Thank you so much for being my guest. It was my pleasure, Tara.
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I loved your questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And I hope you really loved this episode as much as I did. I think it was so much needed right now. And you can always find me on Instagram. It's not basic blonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.